0: Welcome to Own the Microphone. You and me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, Be met Talks Press. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Own the Microphone. Today, I have with me Dr. Michaela Herndon. Growing up in Dallas, Texas, with a single mother and a repeatedly incarcerated father, Dr. Michaela developed a keen sense of awareness, a highly developed mind for critical thinking, and she mastered the power of perseverance. Instead of allowing her trauma to write her story, she used her trauma to amplify her voice of victory. With storytelling as her core skill, she has built a strong reputation for helping Early-stage female entrepreneurs accomplish their dreams of creating a six-figure business through mastering their mindsets and creating brand visibility while motivating audiences in unforgettable ways. And today, this conversation is going to be one of those unforgettable ones, that's for sure. Dr. Michaela, so good to have you on today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I definitely
0: appreciate it. What is it about public speaking that made you say, that's what I'm going to do. I was born to own the microphone.
1: I think for me, when it came to public speaking was I realized that there was healing in the ability to be able to tell my story. It wasn't so much whether or not people validated it or connected with it. But the ability to be able to stand up and say, this is who I am, and I'm very unapologetic about who I am, and I love who I am. And I think sometimes that is what stops people from being able to really own the microphone is because deep down inside in their mindset, there is something that they think that the audience may see or feel or hear. But in reality, I realize most people don't even notice if you make a mistake on stage. People just want to create connections and really find people that they can also build with connect with no new things about so it really gave me the opportunity to just say hey you already telling everybody your story anyway why not just put it on a bigger scale and really own it in the way that you um, would love to own it
0: how did you get past that fear though what made you say I- i'm just going to do this i'm just going to put, put it out there bare my soul essentially
1: For me, I knew that I was already doing a lot of speaking anyway, and oftentimes I would be the person who I felt was always nominated by the group to be the voice. So to get past the fear, because I wasn't always comfortable with the way my voice actually sounded in my head, I would say, your voice is horrible. Like, nobody likes the tone of it. It's too pitchy. So I started recording myself on the phone and actually looking in the mirror, like talking to myself as if I was an audience member. And as I became more comfortable with my own mannerisms and my own voice, I realized that a lot of people actually liked it, but I would have never known that if I never put it out there. Um, So I actually did a lot of practice. I still practice now. Anytime I have a speaking engagement, I literally run it through in the mirror so I can see what I look like, so I can become more comfortable with who I am.
0: And for whatever reason, everybody seems to hate his or her, voice or the sound of their voice and our voices do sound different to us when we listen or watch a recording than what we think it sounds like and 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 here's a little trick for you if you don't want to record and uh, record yourself speaking and then listen to it because you think it's cringeworthy I want you to cup your hands around your ears while you talk and then you have a really good idea of how your voice sounds to everybody else. There's a science behind why that works. I want you to try it right now, Dr. Michaela. Say hi. My name is Dr.
1: Michaela, and
0: I'm a rock star.
1: Hi, my name is Dr. Michaela, and I'm a rock star. Oh, it does did you join. hear it? It does sound different. It, it sounds is. different. That's the sound that people hear
0: of your voice. So for everybody, if you don't want to go through recording yourself and then listening to yourself on a phone or anything like that, try that. It takes two seconds. Just cup your hands around your ears and make sure your hands are kind of facing forward a little bit, almost as if they're acting as speakers and you hear what your voice sounds like. It gives you a good idea of what your audience hears. Don't ask me how I found that out. Just I'm lame. I'm always reading about speaking and Voice and intonation and inflection, like and that. so on and so forth.
1: I'm definitely taking that one from you. I like that one.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. How do you get your audience's attention right away? Because that's key. I'm telling you, I mean, just think about flipping through stations on the radio or flipping through channels on the television. If it doesn't get your attention right away, you keep going. And with an audience, if you don't get their attention right away, they're thinking about the chicken lunch that they're selling, <laughs> that they're going to be serving at the conference after your session.
1: So I actually use um, something called NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming. So I actually use um, a series of questions or buzzwords that are naturally designed to get um, the human attention. So I can go past what is called really more of like the critical faculty line, um, and I'll go straight in with the question. So I'll say, I know you're wondering. Whatever my topic may be, or something, so it automatically is like, "Wait, what was I wondering about or or what am I feeling? so I always lead with that. I never lead with my name um because I feel like my name is already in the program anyway, so I don't have to repeat it, so I always lead with a story or a question, something that can quickly uh, get them engaged, so then that way they're like Aphyxiated until they can decide whether or not they either think I'm great or they think like they want to text on their phones. But at least for those first three to four minutes, they're super into it. And that's the way I can keep them engaged the rest of the, the rest of the engagement or the rest of the time we're speaking together.
0: And uh NLP, neural Linguistic Programming. Yes. Your name is not going to get their attention. Neither is your bio. <laughs>
1: very true. Very true.
0: What is another secret to consistently give a presentation that will knock people's socks off?
1: Uh, the podium is not your friend. So anytime I do a speaking engagement, I'll, I'll make sure one, I remember I actually had a speaking engagement last November and the technology wasn't working. And I remember the technology uh, gentleman asked, me, was like, do you want me to wait? And I was like, no, thank you. Cause I, I remembered the program in my head already. I already had my slides. So as soon as it cut on, it was funny cause the audience actually watched me click to the slide and I didn't even move my head. I clicked to the slide that it was on because I feel like the podium is never going to be your friend. People can only see parts of you. So I always step away from the podium. I know my presentation, like the back of my hand. So just in case something ever happens, they'll never know. We're pretty much rocking and rolling the entire time. I like the fact that you said the podium is not your
0: friend because it takes me back to a commencement address I did in February of, oh, I think it was two thousand. 11 or 12, one of those years for sure, definitely not 13, may have been 13, I don't know, but it was definitely February, and I remember having seen commencement addresses so many times in my life, having graduated from high school and attending other people's graduations and then graduating from college a couple of times myself, so on and so forth. Anyway, I remember the person giving the commencement address stayed behind that podium, Mm -hmm. And so I did too, and it was my first commencement address. Now I had done plenty of workshops and trainings and breakout sessions and so on at conferences where definitely I'm moving around. Sometimes there isn't even a podium to hide behind anyway, but that was just a no brainer for me to move around. But at that commencement address, I felt like I needed to quote unquote, follow the rules because Mm -hmm. every other right commencement speaker i had seen stayed behind that podium and i did it was the biggest mistake of my life was my speech good yes did people clap absolutely did people come up to me afterwards and say oh that was great that was incredible and moving and yes but i to this day and here we are many years later will never forget how i was not 100 percent pleased with it because I stayed there thinking that's where I'm supposed to be. So our lesson here Mm -hmm. is the podium is not your friend and break the rules. When you move around, it gives you an energy. Staying at that podium, you feel stuck. You feel, it just doesn't feel right. So feel free to
1: move. Definitely.
0: You said that you had a little bit of a technology fail that one time and you handled it very nicely any other tips for handling technology fails
1: yes uh one of the tips to also you know having technology fails is that at the end of the day you know never really rely on technology in general like you know so it's not more of a like if it fails or not because sometimes people will say like oh yes of course we have technology and you'll get there and they won't so never rely on the presentation, rely on what you have inside to really bring that presentation to life. So you can use it as an enhancement, but that's not where um, your speaking strength comes from. You really own the microphone from what you already have ingrained in you. You already have the skills to do it. So you really have to go past the presentation and past technology to really connect with people. So they can, you know, you can kind of pull on their heartstrings and make those true connections. What's the number one, the number one mistake You know what? Give me a mistake that you've made
0: in owning the microphone.
1: One of the mistakes that I've made in owning owning the microphone was actually... Um, instead of asking my audience, I told my audience. So one of the things I ask now is before I would say, so raise your hand if, and I'll give an example, but it really should be more of like a raise your hand if you can, because sometimes I would say stand up if you feel this way. And sometimes if there were people in the audiences that had challenges that couldn't stand up, but they wanted to stand up, then I automatically isolated them for participating. So I would say, you know, stand up if you can, or raise your hand if you can. So by Giving them different alternatives, it allows them to feel inclusive, um, being a part of the speech. So that was one of the first mistakes I made. I remember looking around and seeing someone who looked really engaged, and when I said stand up, and they couldn't, they were like, "Oh man, I I want to." And I was like, "Well, raise your hand if you can." So that's one thing I learned, and I never made that mistake again.
0: Oh my goodness, Michaela, let me tell you, I remember I was presenting at Phoenix Startup Week, March 2019. In Gilbert, Arizona, and uh, I have this activity I love, and I've not cut it out of my presentation. You made me think about it as you were talking about your what we'll call it. A, we won't call it a mistake, maybe a misstep. Uh, so I love this activity where I have people move from one side of the room or the other side of the room depending on their position in relation to a statement that I make. For instance, you know, all students should have backpacks you know do you strongly agree move over here do you strongly disagree move to the other side of the room and there was a lady who came rolling in in a motorized wheelchair really thinking to myself what do I do with that activity do I run and completely delete it out of the presentation I had you know I don't know a few minutes before it started what do I do my husband happened to come with me to that presentation uh, I think it was off that day it was local what have you I had him stand in for her, essentially. And I asked her, Was that was that okay with her? I said, It's okay if my husband moves from one side of the room to the other for you. Because I didn't want her to, you know, have this I didn't want her to have that challenge of wheeling back and forth and so on and so forth. And she was very nice about it. She said, Oh yeah, absolutely. And he was nice about it, thank goodness. And so, on. so uh yeah, professional speakers, we kind of make missteps, if you will. Now, what's the number one mistake you see people make with presentations?
1: I would say everybody thinks that, um, not everybody, but a lot of people feel that feels, feel that speaking sometimes is winging it, and I don't think they see all of the background of how you've studied your audience. So anytime I go speak, I study my audience. I study the organization or the company that I'm going to speak for. Um, I study even uh previous speakers who've been there who've had general topics or things like that so i can really create something customized to that audience and sometimes it's like oh well, i can just go wing it and i'm like no speakers really don't wing it we're not just going up here and talking we actually have done a lot of work in the back to go up here and make this seem so effortless so that's one of the biggest things that sometimes speaking is equated to just winging it and that's not true at all I think oftentimes people like you make it look so easy. You make it look like you're just
0: kind of sitting there having a good time or standing there having a good time, and you are. But in order to get to that point, in order to bring that kind of energy where it looks effortless, there are so many hours behind the scene of practicing and making sure that you can just ebb and flow and make it all work. Seamlessly together. We uh, find ourselves presenting in different environments. Uh, As of the time of this recording, we're in the midst of a pandemic, and we find ourselves just worrying about how we look from the shoulders up, (laughs) because oftentimes we're doing presentations via Zoom or some other video conferencing platform. But I've got to ask you: What role does attire play in speaking? Whether you are speaking virtually, or one day we get back on the stage and on airplanes, if you're speaking in person, what role does your clothing play in it?
1: I think for me, clothing gives me like a major um, boost in confidence. I actually. Uh, call myself a jumpsuit specialist. Most of the time when I speak, I always have a jumpsuit on. So it's really interesting now that we're in a pandemic, I'm not wearing full jumpsuits all the time, but I found that one, um, it actually gives me more of a signature look. So it's like when they see Michaela, oh, she has a jumpsuit on again. Um, but then it also gives me confidence. It gives me rapport with my audience. And I think I think that's really important because the day of speaking, your mind can only make certain decisions anyway, right? There are only so many decisions you can make a day. That's why Steve Jobs literally wore the same thing every single He didn't have to spend a thought thinking about what to wear. So it's important, you know, to think about, hey, what am I going to put on? Let me, let me, Be dressed up in the best version of myself because when you're not dressed up, I do think there's probably some science behind it where if you're in pajamas, you're not going to show up as the best version of yourself And compared to you physically getting dressed. Your mind is like, hey, we're on something new. We're professional. We're ready to go so we can show up, you know, with the level of excellence and quality that pajamas just wouldn't give us, even though they're like super cozy.
0: <laughs> right. Or as my, my husband's son would call them cozy, comfy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I know personally, I I wear dresses incessantly. I just wear dresses because it's one piece, not a lot of thinking. I don't have to, you know, find a belt and a jacket and all of this, uh, that just makes life easy. You actually have a black jumpsuit, I think, I really, really love, but I digress. <laughs> what else does the rest of this conversation need so our listeners know how to own the microphone?
1: You know, I think when it comes to owning the microphone, if this is something, if perspective Anybody can be a professional speaker if that is something that they want to do. But there are there's training and insight that you just need to develop in order to be able to own your own voice as you own the microphone. You don't have to look like other people as it relates to professional speaking. Um, you don't have to sound like other people. You really just have to figure out what are you naturally gifted in talking about? What are you an expert at? What are you able to bring to the table? And start to master that, but really get past the fear of speaking, you know, Before I get on stage, do I have butterflies? Yes, still to this day, I have butterflies. Am I fearful that I'm not gonna do no? I've never that. Because what I've done is I've acknowledged what that fear feels like and I've stepped over it. So I always told people, if you want to be a speaker, if this is something that you really want to do, you have the ability to be able to do it. You just have to make a choice to do the work so you can have the expertise you need to own your microphone in whatever way you so choose to own it. But everybody has a voice. You just have to decide, you know, how you're gonna use it.
0: Everybody has a voice. Everybody. Don't let anyone tell you that you don't. And even if someone does tell you you do have a voice, ignore them. Talk over them with that voice. <laughs> Dr. Michaela, it has been absolutely fantastic. I appreciate you. I appreciate the light that you send out to the world, your contributions, and and just everything you do. You're so amazing. And to the listeners, I thank you for tuning in to this episode on the microphone. I will catch you next time.